Welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast, a series dedicated to answering the challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. I'm your host, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Today, we're going to talk about ideation. It's a key component to any successful business. Even Google allows its employees to spend as much as 20% of their work hours thinking and coming up with new ideas that excite them but solve a very real problem. Focusing on ideation allows companies to become or remain innovative, increasing the chances for new products, customer acquisition, or even boosting financial performance. But what is it and how do you do it well? So we've brought someone in today who knows all about it, uh, business development manager at tech startup Shout and program manager at Accelerate Me, the University of Manchester's student-run accelerator. Welcome today, Kieran Arakasami. Thank you very much for having me. Kieran, you're really passionate about helping new businesses form new ideas and find solutions to problems. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about your background and the reason why you're so passionate about that. You started a business, but it didn't work out, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, everybody learns and failure is part of every entrepreneur's journey. Uh, what did you learn about that process? Tell us a bit about that story. Yeah, sure. So um, when I was 16, I took part in, it's, uh, I had a business that led me to this business. So basically when I was 16, I took part in what's called Young Enterprise. It's a, a nonprofit organization that's designed to teach students, in particular in high school, how to start a business mm-hmm. and, and learn through that process. So I did that with some of my high school friends when I was uh, living down in London. And uh, after competing in this program I, I didn't really know it was a competition at the time but when we started we uh, we ended up selling um, pressure sensitive sticky pads similar to the things that hold your car um, your phone on your car dashboard okay cool uh, and basically we mass uh, bought those from china imported them to the uk rebranded them and sold them um, for an e-commerce site and sold them in trade stores and stuff uh, we competed in the european finals of this competition and the second place prize was uh, scholarships to study in eastern europe Nice. And that's what led me to, to founding this, that company then, which was called Shirt Happens. So when I was living in Tallinn, Estonia, uh, I met a couple of friends. And at the time, there was a big fad with um, white, quite plain white T-shirts, usually with a grayscale filter. And it was like pictures of um, half-naked models or really random words or skylines from countries I'd never been to and didn't really aspire to go to. And I thought that's a really empty message to be putting on a t-shirt and I know a t-shirt can for most people is quite meaningless but for me at the time it was like if I'm wearing something I would like that brand to represent me a bit I would like to be a part of that and I didn't think I needed to be this fake imaginary filtered or hyper filtered um, person to be a part of that and I thought I had I would have more in common with a stranger who just agreed with me on that principle mm. than one of these people uh, and that's kind of where the idea for shirt happens came along um, and basically the the principle behind it was it was a, a apparel startup T-shirt printing, and you would take a photo of yourself. We would apply a grayscale filter, nothing else, and put it onto our face database. In the meantime, you would be sent a photo of another user somewhere, anywhere in the world. Uh, but you'd be connected on the idea that you would get, you would both be buying into this um, this brand based on the idea that you don't have to be this attractive to be part of our brand. Yeah. Uh, and th- it wasn't just going to be from the other side of Manchester or London. It was going to be from the other side of the world, and that was quite a cool yeah. concept. So that was taking pen pals and putting them on t-shirts. Exactly, pen pal t-shirts, uh, and then the the backup um, social media campaign that would run alongside that would be called hashtag Find My Face, and we would give prizes and stuff if you were able to um, meet with someone that you had exchanged faces or, or that that you're, they were wearing your face on the other side of the world. And loads of people bought, bought into the idea for loads of different reasons. But the cool concept for me was the idea that one day I'll be walking in Barcelona <laughs> on a holiday and I'll just meet some Spaniard 
wearing my face and I could like really get hey. that buzz, that wow moment. Um, so unfortunately, as you mentioned, that didn't go <laughs> as planned. What uh, happened? Yeah, so I was running it in Estonia, came to the UK to complete my university degree at the University of Manchester and joined an accelerator program, the one that I would then move on to manage. And while I was there, I was 18, managing a team that was based in three different countries across Europe, um, trying to do my first year of university, struggled, and uh, things kind of just fell from there. The co-founders left, um, projects got pushed back a bit, and back and back and back, and things fell apart. Um, in that, but in that time, I was already in the accelerator, and they had already given me some money, and they had provided me with this network of really passionate young entrepreneurs like myself. So I just said, screw it, let's go work with these guys, and let's help them. So I did business development stuff, I did marketing stuff, I did research stuff, and I ended up really just falling in love with the idea of helping other people with their businesses. Um, with a very common like millennial concept of like, oh, I'm, I don't know what I want to do yet, so I'm just going to do a little bit of everything and see. <laughs> uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but I really got a knack for that, and I really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed working with these passionate young people in such diverse projects. I could wake up and I'll be working on an agricultural technology, and in the afternoon I would be doing market research for an e-commerce store, and I thought that was just a really amazing community to be a, to be a part of, so I wanted to help and continue managing that. So what happened to Shirt Happens? Shirt didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so probably when, when everything got closed down in the end, we had sold a handful of, of products in the end. It took mm. a long time to build the back end up and we wanted to do it all in-house because that was the learning experience that we yeah. wanted. Uh, and one of the co-founders was very skilled technical. He now works for, uh, as we mentioned before, he works for UBS as a software engineer and he's making Mint and myself and my colleagues are having lots of fun in our own projects now. But I'm sure one day Shirt will happen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure will. We'll, we'll get it off in the some ground form. again. Yeah, in some it'll form pivot into it. something new. Um, so talk to me a bit about um, Accelerate Me. Uh, that's the Student Entrepreneur Accelerator Program that you um, help support at the University of Manchester, um, which I think now is extended beyond the university as well, yeah. isn't it? So tell us a bit about that. So the uh, Accelerate Me started five years ago with uh, just a student who realized that there's a gap in the market to support other student entrepreneurs. And there's a little bit of money floating around that is looking for some young, aspiring, high-risk opportunities. Um, five years later, we now have a team of seven people. We've worked with 40 companies, um, student and recent graduate companies, all from universities in Greater Manchester. Uh, over the first four years, we worked predominantly with the University of. Uh, now we have students who are, we, we run workshops with Salford. We have students who are from MMU, from the Royal College of Northern Music. Um, and now today we're having conversations with the likes of Bolton. I was just recently contacted by students at Bath University. So like, it's growing massively at a national scale. And we've seen this presence in Central Europe and also in the States heavily of like student-led programs. Mm -hmm. um, but now people's ears are pricking up and they see that there's really huge opportunities there. So this year we've scaled our program and we're now running a 14-team cohort. Um, it's one of the largest in the UK. And um, yeah, our fund's really growing and we're really getting some traction. Why do you think student-led accelerators are taken off in the way that they are? I think for us, the real value... So I look at Accelerate Me as a startup as well. Yeah. So our value proposition for other students is that we get you because we are you. Yeah. We are students. We have the stresses and the similar structures to your day. We run our program in the evenings and the weekends. And we find we have a really strong Manchester-centric community that wants to support Manchester-based mm. businesses. Yeah. Um, 
I know a lot of us talk about like from Manchester, growing it in Manchester, it's like, it's very like... No, it's a real thing. And it is a real thing. It's a real thing. But this is why we want to push beyond that, right? And we want to to take what we've been able to grow here in an ecosystem and take it to Liverpool and Lancaster or alternatively bring them in. Um, uh, I would love to... I love in three or four years' time, Accelerate Me is franchised and it's in loads of different universities all over the UK and it's run by students for students because that's the most empowering kind of program. Mm. These top-down models now where a huge fund pummels a ton of money into 10 companies and hopes and hits and hopes and really doesn't have the the connection to the businesses isn't working mm. it's, it's evident by the fact of like most non-profit equi- um, equity free accelerators are more successful than uh, equity based accelerator programs yeah. which isn't very logical but when you take a step back and you really then you go a little bit deeper it, it makes perfect sense because yeah because i non-profit think ones work yeah the 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 vc sort of uh, equity based ones are driving a they're really there to drive a deal pipeline and it's mm-hmm. very much what they want yeah. is the priority and they will only look after the winners whereas i think the non-profit or funded ones um it's it's more it's more organic in that it's like let's support everybody and see what happens it's like you know throwing the cards up and seeing mm-hmm. who lands up but everyone gets the same um, opportunity and it's down to the individual then to what they invest into it. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you have amazing alumni communities built mm. by some, like there are definitely some for-profit models that are really killing it. But at the same time, there are a ton of accelerators that popped up and have disappeared just as quick as they came into the space. Yeah. And it's evident by the fact people are just throwing their money, hoping that they'll catch something, but they're not looking to create ecosystems. They're not looking to support current ones for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think people need to start looking at, um, academia and period because that's where innovation is starting and they need to be looking at younger and younger more innovative models um which is why really interesting stuff like um entrepreneur first which is why really interesting stuff like corporate programs like wire are pop- like really stabilizing in the market because there is that opportunity um and they they have an industry niche they know what they're gonna va- they know their value proposition the same mm-hmm. way we do it's just yeah. a bit of a different scale yeah so for the listeners there uh today just to help us understand ideation and the process. What is it? How is it done? Why do we do it? Um, and how do you get started? Um, yeah, it was, it's a really interesting talking point. And I think there's, there's like two main things that we like, it's a great place to start. So ideation is a process inherently. It's, it's how do we come up with ideas? Um, but there's, there's twofold in kind of entrepreneurial spaces. There's, I want to use ideation to come up with my business and mm. I want to use ideation to support my business. And the latter is often forgotten. It's very much like I'm going to come up with a crazy business idea that's never been heard of before um, and then I'm going to take it to the next level and, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, and then they're trying this and they have some type of idea, but then they're forgetting that every time there's a problem in your pipeline, every time something's not going straight, you can be using the same principles you use to come up with the business to be solving these problems and people get very they go very creative and then very straightforward and you can't be oscillating between the two so much you need to be looking openly so yeah ideation um, for us uh, in accelerate me and and the ecosystem here i I would say is a process by which you think creatively think divergently and and utilize um, frameworks to come up with solutions whether that be a business solution or whether that be a solution to a business problem Hmm. And does it turn the idea uh, of businesses uh, that you commonly hear? So you, you and I both hear, you know, entrepreneurs coming up all the time saying, "I've got this really brilliant idea for a business," this app. and it's like, <laughs> got this app. <laughs> "Yeah, it's going to be the next Uber for recruitment or whatever." And it's like, but 
you know, the whole kind of problem-solving piece sometimes feels like it's been missed, yeah. you know, that they, it's like, yeah, so what problem is that actually solving? Yeah. And is it a real, is it a real problem? Mm-hmm. Um, how does ideation help bring that back around and help entrepreneurs um, think about, I guess, critically or objectively look at their idea and then kind of bring it back around to that kind of approach? And why is that important? Um, so you, you touched on some really, really cool things there, and I would like to pick up on some. Um, Pro, like, there's so many different ways you can ideate. There's so many different ways you can come up with an idea. Problem-centric um, ideation is very common. It's one of the most traditional. It makes perfect sense, right? I have an issue. Let's solve that. Let's yeah. solve that in a creative way. Um, that's just like the first step, though, because you could... And this is the other side. When, when you have people approaching you with businesses, if, you, if you're trying to build a startup, some, something I heard recently, um, and if you're looking to build something huge you need to come up with something that's never been heard of before, that has huge market potentials, that has huge profitability margins. Yeah. And a lot of the time people look like, by all means, your subscription business or your app could very well generate some revenue, but you need to, you need to prepare yourself for what you're trying to ideate and where that market is stopping. Um, so that was one thing that you, you touched on. And I just want to be really clear, like ideation is a great tool, but you, you're looking at you're looking at scrapping a hundred ideas before you come up with, or maybe millions of ideas before you yeah. come up with that one that's going to really, um, really fill a space that's going to or make a new market or like really create a lucrative segment. Um, ways you can get started with ideation. Um, first of all, there's some great books out there. Um, there is some really amazing content on YouTube on on Medium about how to come up with ideas. I think one of the key things you should be looking at when you're looking at an idea for your business is where are you, what are you passionate about? What do you know? And be prepared to dive very deep into that space. Because if you want to come up with like a novel idea, a new thing, that's something that's actually special, you need to be looking really deep where, where no one's looked before. Um, this is why the, the students that we work with who are really working on novel ideas are doing PhDs because no one's ever done research in that space. It's so it's like a completely new space to be working in. So look really deep, look really niche, and then try and grow it from there is something I would say. Um, in terms of uh, a book, books that I've like personally had like inspiration from for coming up with ideas is uh, Tinker Toys. Um, the author's name is slipping my head, but if you find, uh, search for Tinker Toys, you'll be able to find some amazing um, theoretical models for ideation. Um, and that's quite an academic book, but at the same time, it's it's uh, quite well versed in the entrepreneurial space for coming up with outside of the problem uh, solution ideation process. It's out, really quite out there with academic models. Um, and then the things I would say is look beyond your problem and start focusing on other things. Observe spaces outside of of your uh, immediate environment. Because if you do, if you're quite a normal person, you're going to be looking and having problems that everyone has. What yeah. you need to be looking is for a very niche space, something that people haven't looked in before. Um, I think that's quite interesting. It kind of echoes something that um, Vikas Shaw said mm-hmm. during our uh, chat with him about around, it was actually around imposter syndrome and sort of how, you know, everybody has some element of it and it undulates throughout your career. Um, but he suggested, you know, that you know, don't just read business books. No one really successful just reads business books, yeah. but to push yourself outside your comfort zone and try new things that you wouldn't normally try and uh, read or listen to music or go to plays or whatever it might be because you you just don't know, you know, though that, that knowledge building that you're doing will come up with and create new avenues and new opportunities. So it kind of echoes what he said. So um, tips for getting started, read some books, watch some videos, and then what do you do next? 
Start asking people questions. This goes back to the thing. If, if you're ideating to create your first business, let's just say it is because yeah. it'll be easier. Um, you need to then validate your assumption, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you come up with this very novel app idea. And uh, no one's ever done it before. And you really think it's got, uh, got a space to, to, to make a market. Who is the customer? And start talking with them. Mm. Uh, that's the, the most logical step after you have an idea is to validate. Because if you invest anything more in before you check with someone, if they're, very, if they're interested at all, um, that's like a, a big no-no. But there's like two sides to that. Delivering value now and like getting money now. They're two very different things, right? You could offer me this amazing app and you say it's going gonna, it's gonna to add 10 years to your lifespan. That's really cool. I have no proof of it. Would I pay for that? Yes. Do you have it? No. So it's a weird transaction. I could also have a product here right now that adds a very minuscule amount of value for me, but I'm not going to pay for it because it's not worth the exchange. Yeah. So I think it's very. you need to be really clear about what you're proposing to the customer that you're working with mm. uh, and really think long and hard about that. And do I have the, do I have the skills right now to build that? Um, so a really important bit that I do with my founders is when they're coming up with ideas is that, cool, that you, you're coming up with some great ideas there, but you need £100,000 to be able to, in, to implement that. You need a new technical team to be able to implement these things. What yeah. can we be doing in a really uh, bare-bones model to get this off the ground? Um, and that's where we see some really innovative ideation when you, put, when you really strap um, the restrictions on them. Um, necessity is the mother of all creation, right? So it's like really building innovative stuff through that. Um, so it's just, uh, I guess from what you're saying, it's like get started and start asking questions and just be very nosy and keep talking to people. <laughs> oh, always, always yeah, ask questions. ask questions. Um, part of the ideation process is uh, learning to deal with uh, and learn from uh, failure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that um, some founders utilize this um, better than others? And is actually the ideation process a good way to kind of frame failure, if you can wrap it up in that um, to help you process and deal with it because it, it is hard when things don't turn, like I'm sure you had the same with um, Shirt Happens. Yeah. You, you do have a process that you need to go through to kind of grave that thing that you were so passionate about. Um, so do you think that's something that ideation can help with? Yes, 100%. You, like the, once again, touch on an amazing point. Um, an issue in the entrepreneurial space in particular with like very early stage young founders is you have two main uh, trains of thought. Listen to people and don't listen to them at all. Yes. <laughs> There are always haters, block them out and keep driving forward. And then there's like, yeah, but if there's no customers and no one wants your product, like, why are you building it? And um, we're often <laughs> caught between a rock and a hard place of two very valid points. People don't want you to succeed sometimes. True. Customers don't want to pay sometimes. True. Um, what do you do from there? I think uh, when you take a step back and then you look at ideation as a tool in entrepreneurship, not just to create your business, um, you can come up with some very creative ways of validation um, mm. and very creative ways of decision making. So um, uh, one mechanism that I've used with my teams for coming up with ideas is one of my teams was struggling with uh, with deciding uh, on their business model. And they are a health tech device which helps people, um, it helps anesthesiologists to implement um, uh, anesthesia and chemicals into, into humans. And they were, I personally saw a really cool subscription model coming because it's a, it's a 3D printing device um, and they need to constant maintenance. They were very happy to do one-off sales. Um, there were, there's like 50 other different pricing structures and business models they could be taking it. They have a product and there's loads of different services they can add on top. So... Um, really the at the end of the day i gave them a couple of ideation uh, 
practical ideation steps that they could be taking to brainstorm which of these ideas is the best one to take forward and, and move it forward. And now they're going, they are going forward with a subscription business, but that's because they validated it against a variety of other options. Mm. Um, do I th- and then to answer your original question, do I think ideation can be used to help deal with failure? Um, yes, but probably in a, in a more constructive way, it helps you pivot. So when something is hitting the fan and you need to be getting out of there, but you're not ready to let everything go, which yeah. is perfectly all right. Um, what do, how do I get minimum viable resource out of what I've built here? Um, have I got really cool code? Have I built a really cool team? Have I got some money that's been raised and, and the investor's happy for me to keep it and keep cracking it out on something else? Um, how do I leverage that, that I've built, to future gains still? Um, so I would say ideation for this is a really helpful step. Um, because you're giving yourself, you like it's if I, if you look at ideation as a mathematical algorithm, and I'm pumping stuff in, the, the thing I'm, I'm pumping in is time, money, resources, people, and ideation is just a process of applying that in different mechanisms in different ways. You mentioned there the uh, the health tech uh, startup mm-hmm. that you're working on working with um, as one of the companies that you're that you have on the program, um, but there must be some. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, there must be some other. Pretty cool startups that you've um, that you've worked with, yeah. um, and have gone on to do great things. Um, can you tell us a bit about any of those? Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of my uh, one of my close friends, who uh, friends after we graduated the program now, um, he was on the program last year. Uh, a guy named Eugene, and basically he started a. Uh, card game. So our accelerator works with everything from medical technologies to card games and subscription businesses. And uh, he last year he set up a company called Rats to Riches, which is just a finance strategy card game where you're on a, in the rat race to get 100 coins. It normally takes about four years and minimum 100,000 pounds of investment from big companies like Hasbro to pump a game to market. He did it in less than 12 months with 2,000 pounds of early stage investment and one man. Uh, he brought on a couple of people along the way, but he's, he drove this to the end, and it's going to be stocked in WH Smith and John Lewis in April, which to me is just proof that you could be ideating in a complete bubble and you can create amazing stuff if you're really passionate and you validate incorrectly and you have the right resources and, and infrastructure in place. Yeah. Oh, there's many stories like this coming from students in Manchester. Yeah. I've met Eugene and oh, I've seen the perfect. Rats to Riches uh, game actually at your accelerator launch uh, yes. last year. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool and really nice way to get um, kids into STEM. But what about the ones that haven't made it? I'm sure you have just as many stories about the ones that haven't quite got it right. Um, has that been constructive failure in your experience or what have you observed there? So I'm of the complete opinion that business and enterprise are one of the most effective ways to learn. If you can give someone a business to learn from, they are building so many more skills than they ever will in a traditional education model. And that's not knocking universities because for institutions of research and what they were built for mm. hundreds of years ago, they do their job. But with the times that we, like, we're now in and with students being so digitally adept, we were just speaking earlier about how five to seven-year-olds are learning to yeah. code, right? Yeah. They're building creative products and they have huge amounts of skill we should be funneling them into opportunities. And even if they fail, even if they're not making money, I feel like that's you're making a personal investment in yourself. If I learn how to manage a team, if I learn how to manage finances, if I learn how to manage social media marketing, and at the end of it, it all goes, uh, gets messed up, I've still got those skills. No one's taken those lessons out of me. No one's taken yeah. that time or experience out. So of the, the things that didn't work out, we had 
um, a really interesting concept of a student refinance payment system. All three of those guys are now working at top four uh, companies. They were, they, were, they were having meetings with C-level executives at Monzo and Revolut because they were trying to disrupt the fintech industry. Yeah. Um, I did, my company failed when I was in the accelerator. I'm now running one of the largest student accelerator programs in the country. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. And I think when you're able to step over that and you're able to like just realize that the journey is so much more important yeah. Uh, you'll be able to embrace so much more learnings from your experiences. And I, it's, it's a shame when some people, of course, it's very hard at the beginning. If you would ask me after um, shit happens, fell apart, oh, well, fail fast and learn, yeah. I would, it wouldn't you know, have so been such a constructive conversation. Do one. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I'm going to drink and forget my <laughs> Throw it in the face. Yeah. Um, no, I couldn't afford to waste the alcohol. But <laughs> what, what I think is really important is that, yeah, they're learning them now. They're building that resilience now yeah. because the thought of being 40 and taking this risk for the first time, that's something I have a huge amount of respect for. I, I respect my students as well, the people in my community who are taking that risk, but yeah. we're still in our bubble and my organization exists here so that you have very li- min- minimal risk. We take all the risk on mm. to help you guys grow your first businesses and that's fine. I don't mind. It's, it's worth it because we're, we're building these guys who might, this company might be the one that they fail on, but the next one or the one after that, what we're teaching is sustainable skills and yeah. you're not going to lose those. So it's a really win-win-win for everyone. It's uh, the growth mindset. You've just described the growth mindset. Let's take a segue here for a little second and touch upon uh, Shout. Mm-hmm. That's obviously your, your business development uh, role. Um, tell us a little bit about them and what you do there. Yeah, so uh, Shout's a local discovery platform. We help uh, end users uh, with an uh, app, basically, that helps you find the things, interesting, unique opportunities and experiences in your area, um, from retail discovery to events, uh, job opportunities, and uh, hospitality. Um, translates uh, over 190 languages, so you can be connected while you travel. And we've just done some partnership work with Sport England to help integrate um, open opportunity data around sports opportunities into our platform too. So hopefully very soon you'll be able to open that and find um, really cool sporting events that are going on around you all the time. Um, For businesses, what that means is you can communicate with your customers on a whole new interface, location, which until now hasn't been really well solved. Um, Current people in the market are very much focused on the consumer side but really the businesses are the ones that can leverage opportunities for consumers so we're helping them present that on a very interactive map based system and where did that startup come from that that was um so my co-founders the co-founders of that company who i work with uh, were both manchester university graduates yeah they worked in Microsoft and PwC and learned a lot in their time there. What, what these organizations did was upskilled them to the point when they had the problem, which was, I don't know what's going on in my area and the current opportunities aren't really well connected. Um, they give the, the, these companies gave them the tools to kind of rebuild something amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they taught them. So after a while, they quit Microsoft and PwC and they started full-time on, uh, on Shout, got some initial investment, Got some seed, and, and now we're growing. We're a seven-person team just based on Oxford Road um, and looking to do our launch on the 5th of March. We'll be doing us some soft launches. Nice. And um, how does ideation fit into your day-to-day running at Shite? I think it, it, seed stage companies, every day there's problems. <laughs> and you need yeah. to be really receptive to that. And so it's both about the resilience that we were speaking about before, but it's also just about your adeptness to come up and problem solve. Sometimes that can be really intuitive, like this is common sense, I just need to uh, X plus Y. And sometimes that is very much, I need to take a step back because I've been banging my head against the wall for a week on this one little thing. And 
we're off very, it's very easy to focus on other, uh, other issues and fix other things that are more palatable. So daily I'm using ideation to, in, in some way, shape or form. Uh, it might be really, because I do it very often, it might mm. not be having to write out a new diagram yeah. uh, and, and come up with loads of different pricing structures. Uh, it could be something simple like you might be having an, an issue with a colleague and you need to think a little bit more abstractly about fixing it. And I think that's one of the things that we very drastically overlook. Um, we're not, when, when you're looking to solve a problem, you need to be looking at it in a very divergent way. We're, very, we're often very trained to look at a problem in one way and try and solve it in one way. Uh, and pushing a square brick into a round hole just never seems to work. Um, so what I very much encourage from listeners and, and the entrepreneurs I work with is take a step back and think about other ways of approaching it, um, because often the first way is, is it may, might be common sense, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. So uh, it sounds like ideation has become intuitive yeah. to you and also um, something that you're um, embedding into, into shite. Um, but how to, how to get there for entrepreneurs that are listening? Um, we, we normally like to wrap up with um, some top tips, some sort of call to action yep. in terms of what entrepreneurs can do. You know, after they listen to this podcast, you know, hang up the phone or whatever way you're listening to it, and then go off and do some tang- like some practical, tangible mm-hmm, things. What mm-hmm. would be your top tips um, or advice? Um, something that just kind of came to my head just now would be if you if you list, stop listening to this and you have a huge problem that you have been like putting off and putting off and putting off, start to try and confront it, start to try and break it down into smaller problems that are more manageable and then use some tools from stuff that you've read or listened to or just take a step back because you probably have, if it's been there for a while, you've been looking at it from the same direction for a very long time. So take a step back and try and use some divergent thinking and come up with some other ways of approaching it. That would be one thing. And then another thing would be to think with other people because you're, you can never solve or completely solve a problem with just one brain. It's always, always, always good to get second opinions, third opinions, people with different experiences um, mm-hmm. to, to share their ideation uh, and their ideation processes because that's going to add value in a very different way. Um, I think I'd agree with that. I think uh, a problem shared is a problem halved, is, exactly. the, is the common saying. I've thoroughly enjoyed our uh, chat today. I think you've given some really good sound advice in terms of how uh, entrepreneurs can really come up with those innovative uh, ideas that will help um, uh, accelerate their businesses. Um, For the listeners, we'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts and any other questions that you have for Cairn on ideation or any other topics that you want us to address through the podcast, please leave your feedback on iTunes and SoundCloud and we'll pick it up from there. Um, But for now, we hope that gives you a better night's sleep. Thank you.